0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Guys, thank you for all the listens. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone uh, giving the shares and uh, sharing the stories. Obviously, word of mouth matters. We see it. Um, and the entrepreneurs out there who are getting the message uh, from the entrepreneurs who, which I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thank you guys as well. I love all of you guys. So with that being said, I have Dimitri Ciafakis of Peter Pan Donuts out of New York. How are you doing today? Dimitri. Hey, how are you, Justin? Very good. Um, so anyway, Dimitri, if anyone doesn't know, means James. is a translation of James. Yeah. James. <laughs> and my... Um, and I'm very, I love the Greek names and obviously in my background and stuff like that. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about your story. Like where did you grow up? How, you know, what was your upbringing and, and where did the entrepreneurial sort of ideas start and come from?
1: So I come from uh, a Greek father and Italian mother family and, uh, We live, I grew up in Bayside, Queens, New York, so kind of very just middle class, very normal. Uh, Bayside's like a great place. Uh, We, you know, we grew up in, we grew up with our lives like centered on a family business and that family business is Peter Pan Donut Shop. My parents bought it in 1993. Okay. My father had been baking donuts since the 1970s when he came to this country in 1970 from Greece. He, uh you know, started dishwashing a little bit, but at that time Greeks were starting to own diners. So he like met people and quickly like rose up the ranks and became a baker in many places all around the city from like as far as Washington Heights to like East New York to um, different places in Queens, like Jackson Heights. He was baking in multiple places all throughout the seventies. And he met my mother as a, as a, who was a waitress in one of these places that he worked and um, years later, they uh, Peter Pan came up for sale. Uh, we had roots there. My grandparents are from the area. My mother grew up for ten years in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So my my grandfather, my mother's father, told my father, "Listen, you have a lot of experience baking. You you know you are able to run a business. They had like a little diner called Daniela's on the in Williamsburg. It's now a sea town. It's like on uh, Metropolitan Avenue in uh, in uh, in." In Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And so he had previous experience running a place and previous experience breaking donuts. So he was like, I think you'll do well here. And my father took it over and we became the second owners of that. Um, my whole time throughout my childhood growing up, everything was about the business. I, my father brought me there several times. We would wake up at like three o'clock in the morning. He would take me there whenever you know, when I, whenever he, like, wanted to show me around and stuff like that, I used to be, like, dead tired all day. It was, it was, it was like, one of the best things and one of the worst things because you're, like, five, seven years old and you, like, just want to stay home and sleep in on a weekend and your father's waking you up in the middle of the night. But it was cool to be around the people. Uh, I was exposed to, like, regular customers, some of which we still have to this day. Um, you know, I have... Uh, it's just everything you do is about the business. My father's whole life is about the business. My mother eventually, as we got older, started helping him again in the business. So she, as my father retired in his like late fifties, my mother took over. You know, um, and my father more had like a a role as just like working with the recipes, and my mother really started to run the business every day. And she still continues to do it in her mid sixties now. She still run. She's still there every morning with me and my brother, uh, and. My brother from a very young age, I think in 20, he was in college at the time. He had the opportunity to, a baker we had there for a very long time is leaving. He had the opportunity to learn. He took the opportunity and he's worked there ever since, since about the year 2013 or 14, I believe. And for me, I have a more twisted path than that. I grew up and I wanted nothing to do with the business. I loved the business. I love that my family had the business. Uh, but I didn't want to be a f- business person. I didn't. I, I saw my father suffer for years, and my mother suffer because, as you know, it's a torturous business. It is a twenty-four hour a day, seven day a week thing that controls your life. And he came home often unhappy and upset. And I couldn't. I couldn't imagine myself doing that. I wanted something that wasn't that. So I pursued a passion of mine, which was uh, literature and i went to college for that and i got a degree in that and i was in my master's degree and i was 27 years old and i was extremely unhappy i'd been growing unhappy for many years i didn't like school anymore i didn't like to do the work i was my parents when i turned 18 was like you have to be in this business every day and you have to and you have to like make sure it's closed and everything i was my mother was there in the morning i was there in the afternoon to make sure the business was closed and make sure nothing went awry. But I, my heart wasn't in it at all. I did it like functionally and not well, and I, I was honestly probably a detriment to it at times because when your heart's when your heart's not in it and you're doing that job, as you well know, it's it's the worst thing you could do to the business. And then, but I was extremely unhappy to the point of depression. My life was going nowhere, and I just I hated school. I hated work. And then one day I realized that why am I doing this? I quit school, uh, much to this, my whole family, we fought about it constantly. And I said to them, I think I want to try the donut shop. I think it's something I want to do. And they said, that's ridiculous. You've done, you know, you show no aptitude for it. And then quickly I proved them wrong because the truth of the matter was the reason I quickly became like quite, uh, how do you say it? Um, Quite articulate in it. I, that's a bad word to use, but I like proficient. was very good with cost. Yeah, proficient, quite proficient. Yeah, yeah. I was very good with customers. I, you know, it took me a couple of years to really get to a certain level. My brother had a much head start. Was very good in the business. He was more of the baking side, and he, my brother, went to baking school. Is a very good baker. Has a very good eye for detail, like my father. My my father and him make great bakers because great bakers are detail oriented, and great business owners are detail oriented. So. They did well, and my mother was great with customer service and dealing with people. So, she had managed to take the business to another level because she was just great with people. And that was the Greenpoint at the time in 2003 um, started to be uh, flooded with people from all around the country who wanted to move to Brooklyn, and so she was really able to connect with an older generation and a newer generation. And she, the business had really taken off on her tutelage. My dad had built like a very strong foundation and she had carried it over into the mid-2010s. Uh, at that point, she was working for about 10, 15 years already. Uh, and in the late 2010s, I had my awakening and I said, I have, to, I have to make this my singular focus. Before we started recording, you talked about your singular focus. And I realized that I was a person who had spent a lot of time putting emphasis on life outside of his career because I sh- it, it it all stems from my father being so unhappy that I think it it made me have, it gave me a terrible imprint as a child. And I really spent many years trying to run away for it. And I really chased the passion of mine, which is literature rather than that, rather than pursue something that I have a natural aptitude for, which is the restaurant business. And I've done, it's been six years, I think five or six years I've, I've completely taken a 180, and this is like what I'm meant to do. So, um, I know that was really long winded, but that's pretty much the answer to your question, which is how I got here.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk a little bit about the donuts and, and, and the family. And how long, how long was Peter Pan around before your family took it over?
1: It was opened in 1954, um, Holy by crap. a, by um, an older Italian, not older at the time. Probably they were young, um, Phil and Lucille, and they had it up until we bought it from them in 1993. So we're the second owners.
0: And obviously, I mean, you've updated it. Let's talk about family transition. Like, are your parents still heavily involved in the business? Yes.
1: So, um, my my father's retired now. He's in his mid seventies, but. I would say once in a while, when we add in a new recipe, he's very heavily involved with it. My father bakes all the time at home, and just bakes things. You know, he he does a lot of Greek stuff, but he also does a lot of like baking. He'll bake croissants stuff, and he'll be constantly working on recipes, new recipes, and then he'll work on it with my brother, who like kind of takes it over. If not, and and my brother brings it into the store, we you know see how it does. We usually test it, see. Is there a market for this, you know, where we are? Sometimes the product works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it has a short run. Uh, And that's how my my father fits into the business. My mother's there every day. And I I will be very honest with you. My father is very much me and my brother get in there, take over. Let's go. You guys go, you know, start he doesn't want us to revamp the whole thing, which is kind of like what me and my brother often try to do. Cause it's just natural for, you know, the younger generation to try to do that. Yeah. But he wants us very heavily involved. I think my mother likes her place there and my mother's very good at what she does. So it's not like she hasn't, I don't think she's lost the step. So for us to come in there and suddenly be like, we're running things here. My mother often is, you know, tries to like push us back and you know, we're we're Greek and Italian families, so we don't do anything without yelling at each other. So often we'll carry out those discussions in in the middle of the business, which can be bad. But I think a lot of the customers actually enjoy it. But yeah, there's there is so, there is some pushback, but that's part of the identity of the store. You know what I mean? There is there is very much, if you come to Peter Pan Donut Shop. I don't know if you've come there, but it, for anyone who comes, there is the it is very much a vintage vibe. It is styled. It's not styled. It is it still the way the counters were in the 70s is how they were now that's the the business that was there since the 50s 60s and 70s is how my parents kept it they didn't change much about the design just updated like the storefront a little and my parents you know grew up like matured you know in their career as as you know working in the restaurant industry in the 70s so i think they really feel comfortable in that environment and they wanted to keep it and i think that was a very Successful aspect of the business. So there is a mixture of the old and then there's the new crowd that comes in that, you know, me and my brother kind of appeal to.
0: I love this. And I mean, ultimately, right, if you, I mean, it's kind of hard because vintage is almost like it comes back every so often anyway. And so it's like there's that. Now, I mean, I've just, I have so many questions that I can't even imagine because the business has been around for so long. Number one, it's been your family for so long. Like, are there, I mean, is it a glazed donut always on the menu? And and have you updated your equipment? I mean, have you updated the things that you offer? I mean, you talked about owning it for so long. I've got to imagine 40 years, I think that is, right? No, 30 years.
1: Well, for us, yeah, 30 years this year. 30 years this year. It will be 30 years for us. And... um, um.
0: but go on continue again yeah. yeah i'm just curious like what stayed how did you transition how do you guys now that your bro that you and your brother have taken over how have you guys made your stable so let's talk about like those type of things like how do you keep a business like this going for so long sure
1: i will i will say this my brother and i have not taken over it is very much my mother's business still and we're okay with that we just we, we we just are heavily involved, but I would still say this is my parents' business. I don't, I don't try to take credit before I'm doing. You know what I mean? But um, as for the business itself, I, I you know, it being the old and the new—is that what you're asking? Can you maybe repeat the question? About yeah,
0: me? yeah. How? I mean, talk about updating menus. How do you continue okay. to attract new customers? How do you keep it new when there's so much competition and, and so many other things constantly thrown at you, particularly in the breakfast game.
1: So this is a tension that we. Re- I'm literally now in the process of using it to work for us. And let me ex- try to explain that. My father, when he took over, kept the recipes. So, and he added he added to it. He didn't change. So, a lot of the donuts that are there now, like the one you talked about, a regular glazed donut, which was always called a honey dip because we have honey in our glaze. Is still there today and is there every day. It's honestly the donut we make most of a day, probably we sell the most. I wouldn't say it's the most popular because it's the simplest. So people, you know, it's just kind of like a staple, you know what I mean? So that's one example of that. The equipment and stuff, a lot of it is we have an old mixer from, I think, built in the late 70s or 80s that my father. That will never go, as long as you take care of it, it, will never die. That mixer will last forever. A lot of our equipment is older. We are slowly updating piece by piece as things go out because 30 years is a long time. But we keep the way we make the donuts now are pretty much the way the donuts were made in the 70s. They're hand-cut donuts. There's the only, they're mixed in a mixer. But other than that, they're hand-cut donuts. Uh, the dough is rolled with a with a rolling pin, Um they're fried by hand that's that's how we always done it and that's how we'll continue to do it it really makes the difference in the taste of our donuts uh you can tell when a donut is factory made and when it's handmade there's just a more personal touch to it it does allow for imperfections at times but that's we're okay with that that's kind of what we want we want everything to be different um all of our frostings are pretty much you know made, made fresh pretty much every day that's just how we do things um, we bake fresh every day as well. So, um, we have to pretty much guess every day, we're to guess as much as possible. How many donuts to make in a day? If we sell out early, it's too bad. We go most of the day without donuts. We try not to do that, but it happens when we're busy. And that's how we keep things the old way. And now, as far as the new way, we have that foundation, right? My brother, my mother and fa, my mother wants to keep everything the same it got us here. We're successful. Let's stay this way. And every day I'm proven that there's there's wisdom in that because it stands the test of time. It, you know, something works for nearly 70 years. You don't uproot everything. You try to just in the margins, update things that you think can streamline things a little more. So there are things my brother and I do, like I would say, put in some new techniques to help things along I, you know, things like I make a more instead of an old school way of, of where all the waitresses take every customer and there's no organization on weekends. I've tried to organize the waitresses into certain roles so that we can, we have a breakfast component where we sell bagel sandwiches and stuff like that. I have different waitresses filling different roles in cooking, uh, preparing food, and then serving as well. My brother, um, has changed a little bit of the way we bake as far as um you know in the in the old way we were when we weren't baking as much it was it was one baker for the entire day my brother has sort of changed that a little bit where we have multiple guys working under him who can sort of it, it optimizes how we can how, how many donuts we can put out in a day so that's really what we're doing to, to make, to make the store new. It's not, and I wouldn't even say it's like an advanced technique. It's just as, thing, as time goes on, things grow more complicated. My brother and I are trying to adapt the business to manage that where rather than like let it fall behind and not be able to keep up because as we get busier and busier, we need to, we need to kind of expand the way in which we do things. But the store, when you look at it every day, it's remained the same, everything looks the same and feels the same.
0: I'm going to pause you there and I'll continue on with the questions. Will you tell everyone where they can find you online and or where they can where you're located just because I want everyone to see how amazing your donuts are. If anyone's listening and you want to pull out your phone now, it's probably the time to do it because it's pretty incredible. Go on. So
1: you can the best way to see the donuts I think is to go to PeterPanDonuts.com and go to the photo menu. There's pictures of about 90% of our products but on the website itself, there's a photo gallery with various uh, pictures of the, the store. People people love to come and take pictures, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, they just um, – they I guess people have, like, an affinity for what we do, and they they want to share that as much as possible. So uh, I've connected with people over the years, and they provided us photos, and I put that on the website because – especially my father, he loves to share that. He loves it when people um, are inspired by us that way. So – there's that. You can go to the website. You can also go to our Instagram at Peter Pan Donut. And there, we have a social media person who put, puts a ton of great stuff on there. Um, I think they're doing a great job.
0: Awesome. What's your favorite thing on the menu? What's your f- or favorite donut? I mean, it's Peter Pan donuts and pastries, right? So there's a lot to offer. And you talked about serving breakfast and breakfast sandwiches. So there's a lot going on. And I want to dive into this more Um, because donuts are complicated there's like various ways and there's different you know we we simply go to Dunkin Donuts or Krispy Kreme and we think oh that's the donut but there's a lot of variations in donuts there's a lot of different ways you make them and I think actually Dunkin Donuts started off with like 52 varieties or something when it first started or some ridiculous amount it's probably not that high but I think it's important to the consumer so let's go back to the original question what's your favorite uh, thing that you guys serve
1: uh, I think the single best donut, the donut that I will go to first over all others is our chocolate cake donut. It, it's just a it's crispy cake donut, for those who don't know, is it's a donut that's crispy on the outside and it has a cake texture on the inside. It is uh, denser than a yeast donut, which is a raised donut, and uh, I think our chocolate cake just tastes delicious. I, I love it. I recommend it every time, but not everyone's a chocolate person, so you gotta then, I, I always recommend if people want a cake donut, I always go with blueberry buttermilk after that as a recommendation or sour cream cake. The other... Do the, you want me to continue into the other type of donut?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, the other kind of donut that we make... is So er, everything that we make comes down to two varieties, which is a yeast donut and a cake donut. Cake donut I just explained, a yeast donut is a raised donut. Um, it's a donut that has yeast in it and you have to raise it in a proof box. It is uh, much lighter... Okay, um, And we make a ton of varieties with that. We, we make 50, we probably have somewhere in the 50s in our varieties, but basically, most of those donuts are yeast donuts and they're just different toppings like coconut or creams or sprinkles, uh, crumbs. My, fa- my, my father loves to say that it, when he came into Peter Pan, one of the things he did is he put the crumbs on top of the cream crumb. He put cream on top with crumb on top of that. And then an apple crumb, which is an apple filling with crumb with uh, old fashioned cake crumbs and a little bit of cinnamon. In it. That that donut's very good. It's just a lot. You gotta be uh, gotta have an empty stomach for that one.
0: I love it. I love donuts. I'm a big fan of donuts. Like I I like donuts for breakfast and dessert. So it's not like I could eat donuts all day long. It's one of the things yeah. like people have a sweet tooth, and I like pie a lot too. But donuts like number one for me. I was just in you know, in Pasadena. And I'm like a Randy's donut was like the first place I like made sure I had to hit up because I'm like, I want to make sure I get my, my donut from anywhere new. So I'm going to be coming by and getting a donut next time I'm in New York for sure. Oh, please. For sure. Uh, yeah, I love that. Like, talk to me about like, how do you manage, like who manages, like you're, you talk about your mom running the business. Um, and your brother and your father sort of the the R&D guy right now if we were to break it down but what respective roles do you and your brother play in the business like how do you guys see a transition between you two i mean do you talk about transitioning with your mom at all in your family i mean what does that look like because family businesses are delicate especially as they get into the next generations
1: uh let's say (laughs)
0: I'll,
1: I'll tell you the, I'll I'll tell you the truth. My mother, if you go to my mother and say, uh, let's talk about transitioning, She said, okay, when we transition in 15 years, 20 years from now, I'll talk to you about that. So my mother is ready to work until her, it's into her eighties. So, um, but in reality, I we know it's all coming soon. I don't think it's something I, it's hard to describe into words a little bit of an ineffable thing, but when you're in the business our whole lives, which even in my days running away, I was still in, you know, I was still somewhat involved in the business. You have an instinct for it. And it's something sometimes that you don't describe into words. I, you know, we have, my, my father always is very articulate about take over the business, you know, move it forward. He's, he always outright about that. My mother doesn't speak that way, but I think, I think just naturally how things gone along is my brother and I take over thing. Take over certain aspects of the business little by little. I we still have a lot of deference for her. It's still her business, but I, it's just something kind of a natural progression. And you see it day by day. So it's maybe maybe we're not having very articulated conversations, but it's something that's happening. It's something we're very aware of, and it involves a lot of us. My brother and I taking initiative. You know, and it's something I'm not very good at. It's one of my weak points. It's a strong suit of my brother, which is we work great together because we have all, we, you know, we have a lot in common, you know, but we are very, very different people. And in the places I am weak, he's often strong. So I, he's actually taught me I, to take more initiative. And especially in the last couple of years, I've, I, I, I talked to you about like the scheduling on weekends that where th- things were kind of a little chaotic. I organized it out. I, I tend to lean on my strengths now, which is like organization and, um, like logistics within the store, I I've leaned on that like uh, interest I've had, and I, I've t- kind of taken the initiative to change things. My brother is loves to how we were talking before recording about uh, rearranging kitchens, about kitchen layout. He he loves to do that, so he figures out ways to stream. We have a very old kitchen, as I you know I probably should have mentioned before. He finds new ways to optimize it because. Every the, our kitchen has changed in small ways the equipment hasn't changed, but the layout the the minor things have changed in the layout we you know it was older shelving we put in newer shelving we uh new ways to store food it, it's just it, little things like that my brother my brother has done has really taken the store far you know stuff is much as it's i know it's so simple and kind of laughable, but stuff stuff is like how to refrigerate things what is the best way to refrigerate something and where, where's the best place for a refrigerator to be, it can really change a business. I know that sounds so small and like petty almost, but it, it has done a lot for us, you know, and we're a small business. we we are not as sophisticated as some. I know uh, people know Peter Pan, but we're really a small time mom and pop shop. So the little things go a long way with us. So I, those are some of the ways, I mean, maybe I haven't said enough, but I, I think those are some of the ways we're bringing the business along and, kind of transitioning slowly. we're really putting our mark on it by taking our strengths and trying to advance the business forward
0: when you've really your menu you have milkshakes on there you do breakfast sandwiches you guys have really turned it into an experience and i think that that's part of it it's as you've grown you've also diversified um it looks like and you've also stuck to what's made you successful
1: yeah so that's the key to everything and the point i'll keep harping on how the the whole point of the business is to not change the business what are the changes you can make to so the business doesn't have to change all businesses with time have to adapt have to become new have to progress forward how can we do that and still keep the business exactly what it is at least on the surface because we love that business they we, something I should mention and I hope we get to is the emotional aspect of this business and our family. It is, it is really our identity now. And it is in the community. It's, it, it's a place where people gather because of our countertops. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures but the countertop. It's like a, a U-shaped countertop, two U's attached so that people sit around, we, 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 try, we have to preserve that. We have to preserve the community aspect of our business and how much our regulars love the business. So how do we do that? we we added new things to bring people in stuff like my 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 father many years ago in like i think the late 90s early 2000s put in a grill to start making egg sandwiches um my you know we've kind of how can we say this added more different kinds of sandwiches all all, all along the way so it's it's bagels but you can have sort of a lunch we don't we don't have like deli meats and stuff like that but you know, people come, to, people come to get food all hours of the day. People often come to us to have their dinner, you know, an egg sandwich and a donut, and people have that for dinner. And so we, we try to make it like an all-day experience. Um, my brother's constantly adding different pastries. You know, food is often a trending thing, so we try to keep, like, our ear out for what people are into these days. And my brother will add, like, a different sort of pastry. We've added Danish. We've added apple turnovers. We've added... Um, uh, off the top of my head, well, cookies. So we didn't have cookies for many years. Now we have a very good chocolate chip cookie, peanut butter cookie, oatmeal that people really love and come back for. And it's like a regular item that people ask for every day. And they, it's funny because you know you we have a bunch. We'll have a bunch of donuts on the shelves, but if we sell out of cookies, be people upset that we don't have our cookies. Which is, it's it's good because it shows that um you can bring like. M- items on the margin items that we're not known for because we are primarily a donut shop and people will come in for those as well. As long as you make a quality product and if, even if it isn't your main identity, people can, it can still be a part of your identity.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, and what, I mean, what are the hours of the business and, and talk to me about that? Like how, what is your operation hours? Is it a late night food? Is it only a daytime food?
1: I, uh, it kind of goes from morning till night, i less so than before, but we open at four thirty a m every weekday uh, we and there are people there at that time at four thirty a.m. and there are people a uh, few few people lined like outside waiting to come in. I wouldn't say a line, but I've been there many times at the, from four thirty a m four thirty a m to five a m Those are the early working people, the people who get up you know the people who get up early to work every day. Those people come in and want like their bagel or want their roll of cream cheese, want a coffee. You know, uh, some even get some even do get donuts at that time. Uh, 5, a.m., the 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. 6 a.m. hour is often very busy, um, so much so that we, we were like understaffed at one point. We've had to staff it more now because we do have that that like uh, commuter traffic that goes by our, our Manhattan Avenue there and like foot traffic. We are open till 5 a.m. to, I'm sorry, to 6 p.m. every day. So most weekdays we stay open till 6 p.m., Thursday and Friday till 7 p.m. And we have people coming in at those times. We used to go as late as 8, but when the pandi- after the pandemic, we decided to uh, close up a little early. There was less foot traffic on the streets during the late hours. But people still come at those times for like food or for just a simple donut or sit down and have a sandwich. Because we have counter
0: service. Yeah, I'm gonna need to get donuts here pretty soon. Um, yeah, <laughs> by any time. What's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite part about this? Like, you come in the afternoons. You talked about it and close and and do this. What's your favorite part about the business other than the food itself? Because we've talked about that. And what your favorite food? and what your favorite donut is etc but what's your favorite thing about the business like what is it that changed for you that you now enjoy so much about it that you you know that you couldn't find before for lack of a better term because something was blinding it for lack of another better term i think my
1: primary uh love of the business the what draws me and i think what i am the best at and i I get this mostly from my mother, but my father certainly, I I have this too. And that is the love of the customers. And I truly mean that because I don't think I would, if we were a wholesale business and we made wholesale donuts, I don't think I would love it as much. I think my heart wouldn't be in it. I love to be with the people. I think my parents raised us that way. I think my parents are that way. My father, who is a very much a, um, Let's say high-stress Greek man who is prone to yelling often is very good with people, and as many people are a little afraid of him because sometimes he could be a little intense. He is a very good people person, and in the '90s, when he in the '90s and 2000s when he ran the business, he used to sit there and used to be people all crowded around him, and they used to talk all morning. And it, when they, even when the store was busy. And he used to talk to the people. They would even talk crazy stuff like religion and politics sometimes, which is not very good for a business, but different time, I guess. And it was, it was, it was, it was very formative for me to watch that. Even though I didn't want, to ha- ha- didn't want to have a hand in the business at the time, it really it, it set my mind for how a person who runs a business should be who at least runs a restaurant. They should be with the customers, with the people, not separated in an office, not in the back. You should be with the people who are buying your product every day. And then as my mother slowly took over, I watched that again. And still to this day, come in in tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, I guarantee you my mother is sitting on the end of the counter, right, by the door to the kitchen, and she's having her breakfast, and she's talking to all the customers that come there at the same time every morning. And she's... And she's just building a customer base. And it's this isn't this a lot of them are the same customers from years ago, decades ago. But new customers every day that come into our store for the first time, who move here or suddenly get a job here, come in, see my mother, start talking to her and start coming in every day. And it's amazing the talent they have to do that. And so I that's really important to me. And I try to if I see a person there more than once i try to really get to know that person even if it's not by their name i try to show them that i know their order i try to take special care of them i and many times i've i have very close friends now that i hang out with that i go to their weddings that i um now are having kids and i'm buying gifts for their kids that were just customers who used to come in for years and then all of a sudden one day i started talking to them so it's really the way we honestly that i i i want to say that is the number one way we grow our business just by meeting people and talking with the people who come in because if you get to know a person they will come in forever it's really hard for them to leave you you know so yeah
0: do you guys do your own social media and stuff like that as well i mean i noticed you got quite a following you guys are a growing business and obviously i mean did you latch on to things like instagram and facebook right away as an older business how did you make that transition was it something you did as you started taking over the business i mean talk to me about all that because i think family businesses and one that's nostalgic always have trouble adjusting to that social media world but you've done it well
1: so um i and so i knew social media as especially In the mid-2010s, I realized social media would be important for the business. It actually took a former waitress of ours who was studying marketing at the time to really tell me, Dimitri, this is something you should be focusing on. I am learning this anyway. Let me just run it for you guys. I'll run it for free. It's good for me to learn. Can Can I do that? Will your mother let me do that? And I said, you know, I don't think she had a problem. My mother loves this former waitress. And She did it for many years, like three, four, three, four years for no money. And she really took us from zero to, I think about 20,000 followers. And at that time, we, you know, my mother never saw the importance in it, importance of it. I was not very involved in the business. So she wasn't able, she wasn't even able to do much with it. She just was posting, uh, interacting with customers herself. Not really, you know, I, I didn't help her. No one helped her. She just did that all on her own. And then, after a while she became busier she had you know started family and stuff i as i became more involved in the business i took it over personally and very quickly realized that not only do i not have an affinity for it it is a very hard job so i once again was drawn to the aspect of talking to the customers on it which customers often dm us and i often try to talk to them you know what i mean keep in touch it's a a very good tool for keeping in touch with your customers but the creative aspect of it for instagram instagram is pretty much what we stay with where we kind of do tiktok a little bit but we mainly are on instagram and facebook um i i passed it over to someone to a social media coordinator her name is angela she does a very good job with it she has a very good i i she has a very good voice you could like hear her social media voice in the captions and she she does really fun things with it and uh i've really um empowered her to do funky stuff with it you know to even get weirder at times not in like a bad way but in like a way that you know gives us a personality i wanted i didn't want her social media to be personalityless i wanted it to reflect us to have an identity like we did and i think she has a lot of fun with it and we we connect with other people there's different influencers who do it i am often suspicious of that world i, I have to admit i don't love social media in general i'm ca- and I don't love the influencer world, but I have to be honest and say that there's a ton of, as many people as there are who turn me off, there's a ton of people in that world who are very nice and I've worked with them and I've, I, I have I relationships with them as far as uh, working with the business. We do stuff with people, with in, food influencers all the time. So it's become a great tool. I, I'm very happy that you say we're doing well with it because I'm never quite sure, but I think Angela does a good job.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard right now and with the the everything's about social media to get eyeballs on your product and then attracting business that way. And it's a a free resource, right? But you have to pay for it for it to be really well. So it's not quite free, but even though you're paying someone, it's a free resource. Um, so I think, and to your point, I will say this, I agree with all the social media thing. I think it's a tool, um, depending on who runs the tool, obviously, um, but you have a choice. You can buy, just like anything else, I can buy a Ford or, or a Toyota or whatever. I have a choice in what tool I use, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, whatever else, Snapchat. Uh, I think Instagram's one of the best for food businesses, honestly, and being in a business. And I think it's one of those things that depends how you use it. There's lots of people who use it for bad things and to spread whatever and do whatever. And it's an unchecked way of, of saying things without um, necessarily proving truth, and and so there's the downfall. However, on the business side of things and the interactions on that thing, I think it's just out of this world, but it doesn't replace the human interaction, and it doesn't replace the customers that come in every day because they feel at home, you know, and that's where a lot of people sit back on social media, I think, and they're like, oh, it's my only thing, but what I did just to make sure that I wanted to connect it for the audience, and I did this on purpose because I've listened to the podcast that you did with Jesse before uh, on um, not just bagels. So I will send everyone, that's a great podcast also in the food world about New York. I'll yes, spread love the and, up. Um, and because I believe in in pollination and positive pollination all over the world, just and that's why I do the podcast, and it doesn't matter, competition is good, and it's also spreading everyone in. We cross-pollinate each other, hopefully, um, in each other's because he has a different concept and he goes about it in a different way than I do. So, or they do, sorry, the Spellmans. And um, I just think that, you know, we have it. It's a tool. It becomes a reflection. It helps build brands. But it's up to us and how we use it. So I uh, enjoyed that. And I got a little bit off there on a tangent. I'm sorry, guys, or commentary. Is there any, like, who inspired you growing up? Um, What inspired you? Were there any superheroes or people in your neighborhood or anything like your parents, like what was your like motivation, like someone who really had impact on you?
1: I will, uh, the, the, the corny thing I'm going to say, but I think it is very true as much. as I often butt heads with them and I butt heads with my parents rather often. My you know the more I go on in life, you're you, especially in business, like, because they're business people, my mother and my father are really core to what I do as much I disagree with a lot of what they do time and time again. I am proven wrong, you know, and they always told me that my father's very <laughs> my father's very good at letting me know how much I will regret not listening to him, and he's often very right. I'll say that live on a podcast that I hope he doesn't listen to uh, but he. But the way they do things is becoming the way I do things. And I, I take the good stuff. I throw away the stuff I don't really like. I add my own stuff. And that's how you do things. I My my, for, my father is more of a model for my brother, whether he will admit that or not. I take a lot from my mother. And I can the way I run the store is very much as, – as much as my mother complains about me often, I very much run things how my mother runs things. And it works. So right there is – One of my inspirations, I think growing up and uh, I was always attracted to artists, I feel like I, although I consider myself a businessman and a person who, you know, I, uh, hopefully a serious businessman one day, I like to think I carry myself like an artist and uh, because I run myself with passion and I see sort of the creativity in it. Although I'm not the most creatively gifted person, I, I, I don't have those talents. I like to think that, I think that way. You know and so a lot of a lot of writers you know I, I, I am inspired by them and how they do things and often the discipline so right now my life has become a life of discipline because in in, in in the food business you have to be and the discipline in which a successful writer carries out things like Ernest writers that inspired me are like Ernest Hemingway, William Faulkner, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, these these um, these guys who are so talented and people know. I am inspired by them, and I I kind of work with that same single-minded focus.
0: I love it. I really like that a lot, and I think that it's huge. I mean, how much impact have I mean, how much impact do you feel that it's had on your life by by being a business, being in a business in New York City versus somewhere else in the world? I mean, do you think that it has, I mean, what is the differences do you think? I mean, I just want to know because I think it does have a huge impact on you guys.
1: Okay, this is the portion of the podcast where I get to go on a love letter about New York City, the best place in the world. I know that you're not from New York City, but I am not a c- completely well-traveled person. But in my, in, as a, in my late 20s and early 30s, I finally started to travel a little more. And I love, I've been to California, San Francisco, and LA. I've been to different parts of the US. I, I've been to Greece several times. I love all of those places. I haven't been to a place that I didn't like. New York City is the single greatest place in the world because it often feels like it has all of those places in, in within its boundaries. And I, we have a very New York identity. Once again, when you come there, you will see the people talk New York, the people move like New York. Uh, we run at a New York pace, which is fast and loud. It, 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 we are not a quiet store. <laughs> which is often what one of the things my mother yells about we are a loud business we we are talking we're yelling we're we're laughing it's it's we move at new york's pace even you know in the morning at a slower time at 5am 4:30am in the morning it's a little slower but you have working people who work at city jobs and who work um early morning jobs and they're there and they're new yorkers and it 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 is our. It is part of our central identity. Even the way people come from disparate parts all over the city and come to the store, you'll see people talking and connecting that really have nothing in common or nothing to do with each other other than the fact that they are in New York in this donut shop at that time. And that's how New York is. Whether people want to admit it or not, it is a place of true community. Could it? It, it is a place that brings strangers together all day, every day, and they work together on the trains, in their jobs, all over. And that's what, that is like at, at the core of us and at the core of Peter Pan Donut Shop always has been.
0: I love that it's called Peter Pan, by the way. I, we didn't really get into that, but I really do enjoy it uh, just because I don't know why. It's just a it total of the 1950s. It's totally. I have
1: a theory on that.
0: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: I don't, I don't, I think it's a pretty educated guess, which is that the the film Peter Pan came out in 1953. The store opened in 1954. So I'm pretty sure that they just saw the movie and they wanted to, you know, they knew they were going to have a family business and they wanted to name it something a little whimsical. So that's probably what it
0: was. Yeah, I agree, and it was a great movie for the time. And at that time, Disney like released like one movie every four years, so it yeah. was going to be a popular movie for for a while. Just so everyone knows, like the movie industry in the '50s didn't release movies, and a movie production house like Disney still had to draw all of it by hand, and then make the movie, and then voice it over, and then blah 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 blah. So, um, I like the I like it. I think it's really cool, and I think. I like what you guys are doing with it and I, I hope it grows in, in the way, all the ways that you guys want it to or, or whatever comes organically because I have a feeling that it will. I have a feeling that, you know, just because the compounding effect of families and entrepreneurism on another generation and growing up as kids in that business, I think have been huge for you and your brother. And I can't imagine a better education or exposure to a world and experience, um, than what you guys are doing. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask two questions, actually. What's your favorite qualities, whether they're leadership or business or whatever about your mother and what's your favorite leadership qualities about your brother. And then we can talk about your father as well.
1: uh, My, my my mother would be simple which is connection she, she almost n- naturally without any effort at all my mother can connect with every single person she doesn't have to do anything everyone loves my mother uh, it's it, it's so useful in the business I hate almost gives it like a cynical nature to that but that is not she can't help it even if she tried not to talk even if she tried to not to connect with someone they would she would still connect with them it's it's what re- she' so much better of a leader than I could ever be because people just want to stand by her. Customers love my mother. Waitresses, they love my mother in a way that I could only hope to ever be half of that because it's just a natural ability. And she has, it's something you can't teach. It's something she just does. It's her way, you know, and she can be a really gruff person. Sometimes she can, she's very firm. She'll tell you the way it is. She's, she's a New Yorker that way, but that doesn't matter. People appreciate it more from her. So that's, she just has that innate ability as a leader, and my brother. Hmm, this is my. He, I think people have a sense. I think people have a sense with my brother that he. <laughs> this is really weird to say. It's almost it sounds like an insult. to Competence, but I, I don't mean that in a. It, it almost sounds like I'm underwhelming him. Uh, he he knows what he's doing. He's a very capable person. He's he's he, there's there's never going to be a problem too big for my brother. He's going to figure it out, you know, and often I'm, I'm the panicker. I'm the nervous. I'm the, uh, I'm the like, you know, manic energy of, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know this seems impossible. And he's just like, calm down. We'll get it done. And he's, he's not by nature, a very calm person. He, he is emotional, just like the rest of our family. But he, when the big things happen is when he, can kind of take over and get it done. And he's gotten it done on many occasions. To so do what he does, which is he's you know, you start at eleven o'clock at night. He's sometimes going. I he's literally like the first person in, last person to leave. He he has been there before at eleven o'clock at night and left at eight o'clock at night. So he you know, for the next day. So he he's really someone who makes the ship sturdy. He has his own he has his own weaknesses, and but that has really been a strength to the store and gotten us through a lot. Through a time where I wasn't really involved in the business, it was his like him being a rock that really got us through it with my mother. So yeah, as for my father, I hmm, this is uh, stuff I never my my father as a leader. I mean, he really my father has like an my father isn't uh, it, it grew up in fifties and sixties rural Greece. He grew up in the mountains of Greece and he doesn't have a formal education. He went, he finished a, he finished a, um, a, mecha- a mechanical school in, in Athens, Greece, and he graduated in 1968, I believe. So when he came to this country, he, he really didn't have any type of formal education and he is just so intelligent and so, so instinctively smart and makes the right decisions. My mother, Office, but he—it's very hard for him to explain it because of the language barrier, and because of, I guess, a, a, an education that's lacking. He—the he, knowledge in his head is not something that is easy for him to impart on somebody. So it's been difficult to often get what he means. But he's made a lot of really adept choices in the businesses. Little small things that I've told you, adding, adding a breakfast portion to the store was an ingenious way. To make it everlasting because not only do you, do you rely on the bakery now you know you have quality baked goods but you can provide people a breakfast every day you know and that's really that's become a big portion of our big business and a big portion of our identity and that's something people outside know us for but if you come to peter pan you probably get breakfast there every day so he little things like that color schemes um he put the waitresses in a green unif- like a turquoise uniform with pink collaring and it's become iconic People, you know, when we were put in the movie Spider Man, she wore that uniform. Zend- Zendaya wore that uniform. So it's the little touches like that that he's that really like anchored the business and provided a foundation. So they all they all do something that completely They all do different things that really move the business forward.
0: It's pretty incredible. I mean, you guys have just come together so well in this family business. I'm very impressed, and I've. I've been in family business. Um, I've also know what it's like to have spouses and stuff get involved in family businesses and and things like that. But you guys seem to like have this very good way of doing it. And, and I agree with you. And the Italian Greek way of doing things were very intense. We especially from the Northeast United States. Our family came here for a big dream to have a better life. And we're still fighting for it. And it's been indoctrinated into us merely by our parents' work ethic. And really what you just said was that Greek-American dream that your father had, which he lived, right? He owns his own business. It's still going, and now his children have it. And, I, you know, we didn't even discuss that, that, that you know— his the lack of education the the lack of a language the whatever didn't stop him from still being an entrepreneur and still living the american dream and buying someone's business and running it now into the new entrepreneurial endeavors and journeys that it's been to and your mother who's also a compliment to him and then the two of you guys by basically the compounding nature of both your parents being entrepreneurial you know that's big you know not everyone has that and um, go ahead.
1: I, I'm just very quickly, I would say there, because of them, there are things my brother and I know about business that we don't even understand. We know it's just a it's just an instinct for us because we were in the business all our lives and because our parents taught it to us without teaching it to us. They were just there and we saw it. So I, I it's, it's been a huge advantage.
0: Yeah, I've learned this the, really the hard way as a, a leader and as a manager, and I've even failed at it even though I knew better, um, to be perfectly transparent, is that um, leadership and growth is caught. It's not taught. And even though we put it in classrooms and we go in to learn things, like I learned very little in the classroom unless I was willing to catch it. And that's the part that most people don't understand. You can't just will it on someone to learn something, or you can't just have someone want it for them because you want it for them, or a teacher or whatever, and we pay teachers lots of money and give them lots of benefits, and they have lots of value. Don't get me wrong, but we misunderstand what talking at someone is and being trying to teach someone something and, and giving someone or demonstrating a life or doing things in a way, including teaching, including math, but also exhibiting, you know, the nature of a human that makes it catchable. And I think that that's, you know, something we overlook as humans um, quite often. But as entrepreneurs that have been in businesses for long times, we see it. We see that customers are caught. They're not some trick. They're not some sale. They're not a dollar sign over their head. They are actual relationships. They're caught. They're people that become to matter in your life. Why? Because they're supporting your family. Why? Because in a way you're supporting their family or their life because they're common customers, especially the loyal ones, the ones who come in there every day. And We use the word loyal as in they're loyal like they're subs, subs, like subpar of us. That's why I yeah. don't like the word. Like, it's a horrible word that we use, loyal customers. It means they're, like, serving. They're really our partners, and they're really part of our businesses, and they're not dollar signs. They're not the, – yes, we serve them, but it's more of a servant leadership than loyal to us. And I think their loyalty is is about feeling at home and feeling in a community and finding something they like. And if you look at any successful business that's really growing or that has grown over a long period of time, they've had really good core values. And if they didn't at first, they figured out a way to get them. And that's part of getting caught is people like the core values, the family business, the, the you know, what is it that I'm getting into? What does this mean? Oh, it's been around since 1950, you know, for... And these things are all things that matter, but it's also how the individuals in the business demonstrate which is what we're talking about. And I noticed on your Instagram, you guys talk about the where your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man gets his donuts. It's true. And I bet he may even go there and would go there because of the relationship you guys and how much impact you're having on the community. Imagine how much hope and how much safety Every individual that waits at that door every morning has by getting that in their routine every day. You've become part of the routine that makes them successful in their life every day. And we have that power in food. We really, truly have that each and every one of us, at all the customers we have impact on. We are a part of their lives, not just dollars they spend. So, um, Dimitri, exactly. I, I, I agree with that, yeah. No, I
1: just – it's – I can't express enough how important the customer is, how important I, – I don't even – how important the people are who come every day. And if you have – if you like people, then you have a big leg up in the food business because – you if you're doing something for the public for the people you're providing them a service and if you if you get enjoyment from connecting in that way i think it's this is really a businessman for you and it really pays dividends to me every day fulfill it fulfills something within inside me and my family that really moves us it's why keeping the business the way it is is very important to us so
0: yeah do you and your brother foresee keeping it whimsical and stuff, and keeping core to the brand? Do you guys ever talk about? It? I mean, I know what it's like to have a sibling in the business and talk about the business and what you guys might do, even though your parents are always end up being right in the long run. Weirdly, um, um, if the depending on the business and depending on the situation. But what is it that? Um, what is it that you guys see? I mean, do you? What is it that you enjoy about that? Because I think it's a huge part of your business. Keep it meaning, keeping the store the way it is. Yeah, I mean, do you brother, you and your brother talk about that? Do you ever talk about expanding yes. beyond one store? I mean, what do you talk about um, that type of stuff?
1: So we discussed this as of recently, and my brother looked in my eyes and said, "This business is always going to stay the same way, and it's very important that it stays and it it, it, it stays this way." And I think that is not a fallacy. I think, like I told you, put putting maybe maybe like altering the 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 way in which we do things like in the in the margins as i said to kind of keep the business moving forward will help it but it will always stay the way it looks now uh the way we go about making the donuts now the way we go about serving the customers it can't change because it has a core identity that i think if you changed it one bit i don't think it would be the same business and i think it would affect us negatively now that now we do talk about expanding. Of course, as we get older, we, we do want to open up separate businesses. What form that business will take, we're not 100% sure yet. It, it doesn't have to be the same as this, but this always has to be this way. So Peter Pan Donut Shop in, on 727 Manhattan Avenue will always be the way it is now. Uh, my brother and I will do everything we can to keep it that way. We feel like it's important for the community um, no matter what for it to be that way. We'll always add new donuts, new pastries, take away stuff that doesn't work, you know, a little bit along, but if we sold the, we sold the honey dip in 1954, I don't, and we're selling it now in 2023. I think in 2065, we'll still be selling the honey dip. And I think, I I think that's a proven, I I think that it's proven that that will probably be the case as long as we're around at that time. And I think the store has function has, has made it this far sticking to its guns being the way it is now, and I, I think f- at least for this specific location, it will. O- it's very important that it's all that way because it's our identity. It's what we want to express to the community and to the public. And I think what what the community itself demands. It demands that it stays that way. A lot of people who've been coming since the '70s and '80s say that we we're glad this never changed. And I don't know if you know Greenpoint that well, but Greenpoint is completely different than it was even five years ago, but completely not unrecognizable for what it was 30 years ago. And a lot of people are very sad about that. Some people have, you know, some people like that, but we try not to change because I think that way the community around us can all come together and at least enjoy one thing that remains the same and remains like truly green play. So as we expand, as other maybe other Peter Pan locations in some form or fashion pop up, um, they they may be different, but this one will never change.
0: Yeah, I like this, and I think that you'll always have to have a staple of the old and the new, but. If you're going to expand, it is. I also wonder about like donut trucks and stuff like that and things like that. But I'm sure you guys talk about it all the time and brainstorm. it's about everything. <laughs> and I'm always wondering, like, what is a, a spin off concept or a concept that's sort of something that you guys open at night, which offsets the, the brand that's d- open during the day, sort of what um, Julian Gavin did over at, um, over at the, the dough corner with his pizza and his bagels unintentionally. Um, as opportunity yeah. knocked. And I just wonder about stuff like because I think that, um, that stuff matters and I think that opportunity opens up and when we're on the right path and we we're being financially smart and we're running our businesses in sound ways and we're listening to the elders in our, in, our, in our lives and we're also reading and educating ourselves and doing the things that matter, I think the businesses grow in the way that they're supposed to. If we put in the work and invest and the proper things that we should be investing in our business, ourselves, our family, I think all of it organically grows by the nature of the vibration that comes out of all of that like you guys are experiencing. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with Dimitri, anything you want to say, anything that you know you want to tell any entrepreneurs or anyone who's in a family situation like you're in um, that you think that might not that might be helpful that we haven't discussed. <sighs> what can i what can i say uh
1: this is yeah i will say i I, i'll put it this way i i think there's a lot of people who do this business i i encounter a lot of people in this business who are very confident and know a lot and are very good at what they do and are very competent people and i think i'm not one of those people often (laughs) i think i am the person who has constant doubt i have constant anxiety i have I I do not have a educated business background. I I I came through this path through this path was almost given to me and I I I will say that for sure. This was this was the opportunity in front of me not the opportunity I took necessarily. Uh so I often meet people who took this opportunity and came this way. So it was self-made people like my father and yourself um who are very capable people and so that <laughs> even has put doubt Uh, more doubt in me because I meet people like that every day who are more my peers now. I will say for the people like me in this business who are like me that to not, to don't be completely afraid. First of all, a little bit of fear is good. I hope, I hope everyone has a little bit of fear in this business because that's kind of one of the things that keeps you going, but it's not, you you don't have to be a formally educated food business mind of someone who has, uh, an intensely educated background, or has, you know, decades of experience to do this business. You just, you have to have a passion for it, and you have to have, um, a love of people. I believe I I think I've stated that. And you have to have a, lo- a love for what you're selling, and um, you have to have a quality product. You have to when you when you sell that quality product, you have to keep the means of your customer in mind, and. You have to love what you do and you have to it it does become one of the 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 thing your life revolves around whether you like it or not it's important to have an outside life just for your own mental health uh but it it is the thing that becomes the center of your life so for those of people who are like me who, who constantly doubt whether they are made for this if you have the qualities that i i think that everyone should have in this business. I think you should have some sort of confidence that even though you doubt yourself, you're doing just fine. And that's, I'll, I'll speak to the people like me specifically.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Dimitri, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate everyone for listening in. I love you guys. Again, if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. If you want to find me personally, you can find me at Justin Bizarro, B I And if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And we're out.